0: HD Smartcast.
1: You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast.
0: This is part 2 of my conversation with Vineet Sithapati author of Jugalbandi the BJP before Modi. Okay now you have you've labeled them you know Vajpayee and uh, you said they're not traditionalists or conservatives but they're actually right-wing radicals right? This is what you, uh, you've you said. And I found that quite true. Well, how would you label, uh, you know, Modi and uh, Amit Shah? Um the,
1: the same, you know, the, when we think about conservatives, the typical definition is these are the traditional elite, you know, who yes. are afraid of the rise of the lower orders, right? So these are mm-hmm. those who formerly had privilege, who are fighting to protect that privilege. That's the classic view of the BJP from the left. That's just not Mm. true. And it's not true for a variety of reasons. Reason one Mm. is that far from wanting to go back to the past, Hindu nationalism, Savarkar, Golvalkar, etc., etc., saw the past as a source of Hindu weakness, right? That Mm. it was precisely because Hindus were disunited, Hindus were weak, that Hindus were constantly invaded. Note Manjula that I'm not subscribing to this version of history at all. I'm just saying mm-hmm. this is their self-understanding, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not a conservative stand. They don't want to conserve power in the past. They want to create new power in the 20th and now 21st century, right? Secondly, mm-hmm. when you when it comes to caste, um, the Hindu nationalism is far more progressive than traditional Hinduism. Traditional mm-hmm. Hinduism had had contempt for someone like Narendra Modi, a poor tea mm-hmm. seller's son who comes from a uh, modh ghanchi or oil presser caste in, in gujarat he may not have been able to um, reach certain even uh, enter certain temples on the other hand uh, you know hindu nationalism has a obc prime minister narendra modi and a dalit president and of course the book argues that this is a hundred year project to get uh, hin- lower caste votes to form a hindu vote bank But you know what, you wear a mask for that long, the mask becomes your face, right? And what Mm. began as instrumental is now sincerely held because elections reconstitutes Hindu nationalism itself. Thirdly... While traditional Hinduism was very uh, open and tolerant when it comes to other religions, right? There is, Mm -hmm. again, this is an apocryphal story. I haven't been able to find a footnote, which is that when the first Arab Muslim traders during the lifetime of Muhammad, Prophet Muhammad, or just soon after come to Kerala, the local Hindus build them a mosque, right? That's again, it's an apocryphal Mm -hmm. story, but it tells Mm -hmm. you the self-understanding of traditional Hinduism, which was very tolerant of different sects and different religions. Hindu nationalism, Mm. right from the beginning, has portrayed Muslims as the other, right? And many Muslim communities in India that operate on the social boundary between Hinduism and and Islam, uh, the RSS doesn't like. So unlike traditional Hinduism, uh, Hindu nationalism is more progressive when it comes to caste and more regressive when it comes to religion. And more importantly, the Hindu nationalists, Modi and Shah included, have no uh, desire to go back to some mythic Hindu past. The Hindu future for them lies right now. And Hindu power is the Hindu power that we are living in right now. In that sense, they are deeply radical. They are a break from traditional Hinduism.
0: Hmm. Okay. Okay. And also this idea of the vernacularization of Hindutva. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, look at, you know, they're now
1: expanding their footprint in Hyderabad, they're in, in, in West Bengal, they're finding local Hindu gods, you know. So again, you know, the, the critics of the BJP forever think continue to think of them as a Hindu, uh, Hindi, upper caste, Sanskritic party. Uh, There is, again, some truth to it. Right. But Mm -hmm. there's also a lot of non-truth to that. Right. Namely that Mm -hmm. if the BJP realizes right from the beginning that if it's only an upper caste Hindi speaking party, it will never come anywhere close to national power. Right. It gets that. Mm -hmm. There's no way you can like, you know, be a Hindi um, uh, Sanskritic party and win in West Bengal, right? And win in, win in uh, Telangana and win in, win in Karnataka, and that in, it, and in that sense, they've been able to change their stripes um, quite well, and with, mm. with enough conviction for enough voters from these parts of India to vote for them. So again, right? My job is not to tell you to vote for the BJP or not, but when you criticize them, criti- criticize them. Accurately, it is an Islamophobic and anti-Muslim organization. But on mm. past and region, it is undergoing rapid change. And opponents of the yes. BJP must need to keep up with this change if they have a hope of defeating them.
0: But why do you think the opponents c- continue to see them in this way? I mean, what you're saying is like so obvious in the you know in the sense of the nature of the uh, of 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 the bjp right now but uh, you know the opponents continue to see them uh, in the old mold why is that i don't know
1: i don't know i mean mean, you know i don't want to speak i haven't interviewed opposition leaders to ask this question when i interviewed them i only asked about the bjp right not that why haven't you understood the point of this book because (laughs) on hindsight like you know in some sense for academics what i'm arguing in the book is new but you know manjula you or anyone else who sort of lives in india and has seen the rise of the bjp it's not what i'm saying is not like out of the earth in terms of surprising right um mm-hmm. but i don't know right and i but but i think part of it is that at least among intellectuals uh, they don't do field work you know I, again i don't want to generalize but uh, but politicians mm-hmm. do politicians from the congress right. uh, aam aadmi party bsp samajwadi party are constantly meeting voters right so why don't mm-hmm. they see this um, i don't know I I I don't want to speculate on areas in which I haven't researched.
0: (laughs) Okay, okay. So let's talk about you know uh, um, about you know the complexities of writing nonfiction about a party that you know about uh, you know contemporary politics in India. You know. So the first thing I do, Manjula,
1: is that uh, even my previous book on Narsimha Rao, I had about 20 year distance between the subject and what I was writing about. And even this book hmm. really ends in 2004 because I wanted to have that kind of distance. Because, you know, if I was writing solely on Modi and Amit Shah, uh, hmm. nobody would give me their documents. No, no, no lawyer. Yeah. Their lawyer wouldn't tell me, you know, w- what all they've done. Uh, People would be too scared to speak. So, you know, because politicians only care about the next election, which is a five year cycle, leaving about Mm. 15-20 years, you know, from when the book ends and today has proved helpful for me. Right. So even though I work on contemporary political questions, I don't work on today. Right. Because doing that would mean that I'm an academic. Um, You know, I have a PhD in political science. I won't Mm. be able to outcompete journalists who work on this because they have better sources, they have their nose to the ground better than I do. But my Mm. skill is to be able to interview people, I interview nearly 200 people for this book, is to look Mm. at documents, you know, I looked at um, archives of the Hindu Mahasabha, Veer Savarkas, private papers, etc, etc, all of Mm. Vajpayee's speeches, um, all of that is something that, you know, requires a little bit of distance. That said, I think there is a hole in India, right? Which is, I think, mm-hmm. something that Ram Guha has really been a pioneer in, in opening up for us, which is that the recent past we should be able to think about with some seriousness, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Somehow scholars don't like it. I, I think they don't like using multiple uh, methods, right? I was just, mm-hmm. you know, for example, um, um, you know, having a conversation with someone and I said that, look, in the, you know, 20 years from now, academics, if they want to write a biography of someone They'll have to look at that person's email. They'll have to look at that person's Twitter account, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no way out of that because, you know, as people communicate in different ways and leave a a trail, their own life trail in different ways, you have to basically keep up with it. So in terms of research, I'm kind of Catholic or ecumenical in that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, if 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 it's a Twitter account, I'm okay with it. If it's an interview, I'm okay with it. If it's looking at newspapers, I'm okay with it. Um, I don't say that. Oh, as a political scientist, this is the only method I should use. I don't. I do, I, mm-hmm. I I try not to do that. And I think one of the reasons I've been a bit lucky, Manjula, is that I have a training as a lawyer. I've worked as a journalist, and I am an academic. Mm-hmm right Mm -hmm. so i don't like try to put myself in a disciplinary uh, boundary Um, what i prefer doing is you look at the event or the story you're trying to do and then your Mm -hmm. method should follow that rather than the other way around and in that Mm -hmm. i think i've learned quite a bit from my two years as a journalist in in india Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that the story is more important than the researcher
0: Mm-hmm. okay something that just struck me just now you know why when we look back at the vajpayee and the uh, advani years uh you've pointed it out as well they were kind of soft on pakistan which is not the case now why do you think that was and you 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 know especially as and you mentioned it especially as advani you know being a uh um, you know a sindhi who's fled during pa- partition you know it's it, you can't i can't seem to get a grip on that and i think a lot it, Something a lot of people think about.
1: So I have a whole chapter on that called Oh Pakistan Manjula. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to use the word Vajpayee and Advani was soft on Pakistan because, you know, in today's India, that's liable to misinterpretation. What I Mm -hmm. will say and I say in that chapter is that Vajpayee and Advani did more for peace with Pakistan um, and Mm -hmm. did more to solve the Kashmir issue than any other prime minister, right, before or after. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. a fact, right? So a lot of the book Mm -hmm. is just establishing this fact. That whether it's mm-hmm. the Lahore bus yatra, whether it's uh, the Agra summit, whether it's a ceasefire in Kashmir, except or talking to the Huriyat. on if ev- you know nobody did more than Vajpayee. Firstly, mm-hmm. and second, mm-hmm. Advani, who is seen as this hardliner, supported Vajpayee one hundred percent. Now, the question mm-hmm. you asked is why did they do it? For Vajpayee, mm-hmm. I think it was this 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 need to mainstream BJP. To as I mm-hmm. point out through the book, Vajpayee's primary audience was the Indian Parliament. And he felt Mm -hmm. that the Pakistan and Muslim question was something that separated the BJP from the rest of parliament. So if he was able to solve this, then the BJP would be able to completely mainstream itself, right? Mm -hmm. Um, On the other hand, Advani is more interesting because the two-nation theory destroyed Advani's family, reduced a very rich family to near penury as Advani, who is this rich English speaking guy in Karachi of the 20s and 30s, is, flo- uh, is forced to flee um, uh, the new country of Pakistan for India in the 1940s. Mm-hmm. So he should have a lot of animus and anger, but he doesn't. right? And I mm-hmm. quote him telling a, um, um, the, a, a, a British high commissioner, that uh, just like it takes a Regan to make f- peace with, uh, with with China, right? Name uh, N- Nixon, I'm sorry. Just like it took Nixon to make peace with China, namely, just like it took a right-wing president in the United States to make peace with China, only a right-wing government in India can make peace with Pakistan because if the Congress does it, they'll be undercut by the BJP in opposition, right? Um, mm-hmm. And in that, I think that it tells you something great about Advani, that here's a man who was willing for... You know, for this larger sense of of doing right uh, by India, putting his own ghost of partition in the background, and I think that is something quite special. I also end Manjula, as you as you know, in that chapter by showing you that they failed, and that's another yeah. debate, right? That despite mm-hmm. them doing more than any other prime minister and deputy prime minister to bring about peace with Pakistan, they still failed. What does mm-hmm. that tell you about the nature of the conflict?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And going to, you know, Vajpayee's, uh, at the last minute, Vajpayee would always, and you, uh, you pointed out to always step back and, you know, whatever his views or whatever his, the views that he presented, like, especially in the case of Modi, you know, um, at the last minute he would step back. So why do you think, what you, was what was this about?
1: Well, you know, I spend a lot of time on this question in the book, Manjula, which is that Vajabai was a complex character as all great personalities are. So my, I, I, you know, I, I call him a, the great, one of the great prime ministers of, of India, which I think he was on economic and foreign policy. He was very good, at least in my personal opinion. Uh, but mm. on the other hand, this liberal image that Vajpayee and Vajpayee supporters have carefully cultivated for himself, it life the real story is a lot more complicated than
0: that. Mm. Vajpayee's
1: initial instincts were parliament.